Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to episode six of our first season of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we're tackling a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. As I've heard Craig Rochelle say many times, when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. Your team, your department, your customers, your clients, your spouse, your kids, everybody. I'm excited as we continue this journey together, so let's jump right in today with a question. Why did you become a leader? When I attended my first leadership conference at the age of 15, I realized what an incredible privilege, honor, and responsibility leadership really was. By studying the lives of great leaders of history, we were exposed to the power and the influence of leadership, both for good and for bad. I was blown away by what could happen through a good leader and the dangers that are present through the mindset and actions of a bad one. Leaders are not satisfied with the way things are, with what is. They see what could be, and they act boldly to catalyze others to make that potential a reality. One of my goals in life is to help make things better. I want resources to be leveraged to the maximum by individuals and by organizations. Wasted resources drive me crazy. I want to see people developed to use their gifts, their passions, their talents, and their skills for the benefit of others, not just themselves. In the context in which I lead, I want to see the local church focus not just on itself, not just on maintaining what is, but instead on the mission it has, to reach out to those who are not here yet, to help connect them with their Heavenly Father, who loves them more than they might have ever imagined. I'm designed and wired to encourage, equip, and help leaders to intentionally get better so they can lead with all diligence like never before. I know that every person on the planet is designed on purpose for a purpose. Every person and every leader, but what does that look like for you? One of the keys that I talk about to catalytic leadership is discovering how you are designed and wired to lead. When a leader discovers how they are designed and wired, they can then lean into that, not trying to be like anyone else, but being the best possible version of themselves. It's normal and it's natural to admire and emulate other leaders, especially at the beginning of our leadership journey. We see men and women who are powerful leaders, inspiring speakers, insightful writers, and we want to be like them. We want to be used like they are. We want to leverage our gifts for the benefit of others like they do. I get that. I've been there. I've had the privilege of seeing and learning from so many leaders like that. And the strong temptation, particularly among young or newer leaders who are not yet confident in their own footing and their own gifts, is to just copy what we see and hear. I've even seen some leaders copy the dress of the leaders they admire. I understand that. Some of that is normal when you're starting out in leadership. The problem comes when you never move beyond it. You end up 
being just a bad copy of a great leader, not the leader you are designed to be. The second key, discovery, is about finding how you are designed and wired to lead. And that is not like anyone else. Think of it this way. When it comes to the leaders that you respect and admire and learn from, God already has one of them. He doesn't need another one. He created one, just one, of them and of you. Only you can be you. You bring gifts, passions, talents, experiences, and skills. And how those are mixed together in your design is unique to you. Your contribution is unique to you too. For example, I'm naturally wired as a change agent with the spiritual gifts of administration, leadership, and teaching. I'm also a natural introvert. That's how I'm designed. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like people. Far from it. But it does mean that I do not draw energy from being around people. Crowds don't fire me up and fill my tank. Solitude does. Now, what does that have to do with leadership? Well, I've had to design intentional spaces in my calendar so that I can recharge before or after I have a significant expenditure of energy. That is, when I'm around a lot of people. But leaders and pastors aren't supposed to be introverted. At least, that's what I had always thought and believed. I look at those who lead the field and they're gregarious, charismatic, extroverted types, right? Not always. I discovered that many leaders and pastors share my natural introversion, much to my surprise. And it's worth noting that there's no one right temperament or wiring for a pastor or any other leadership role. That's not something I was taught, but something I've observed and learned over time through my own leadership journey and those of leaders that I've coached. My gift mix administration, leadership, and teaching is also not the most common for pastors and church leaders, but that's okay because I can use my unique gift mix for the benefit of those I serve. I've discovered that God puts you where he does for a purpose. It's not accidental. And as a leader, you can leverage your gifts and experiences to help people wherever you are. At Southview, I frequently teach on how God has wired us according to our spiritual gifts, our passions, and our talents. And if we're serving in the intersection of those, we're going to find our purpose and fulfillment that will last. As a person of faith, I believe our spiritual gifts are given to us by God for the benefit of other people. The question we should ask concerning our gifts is, how can I use this for the benefit of others? The Apostle Peter wrote about this in his letter to the early church. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The tragedy is in not doing too much, but rather in doing too little. How often is there a dream in the mind and heart of a leader that goes unseen, unheard, and unrealized? By playing it safe, You create fewer waves, sure, but the tragedy is that the dream is left in the land of potential, and all those who could have benefited from it will not. Potential, unrealized, is one of the saddest things I've ever seen, and it happens more than you might think. People bow to fear, 
to the opinions of others, to a desire for safety and security. And when they do, the potential of what might have been does not come to pass. The dreams of a leader might be significant and impactful, but if they remain in the land of potential, that's devastating. I, for one, don't want to live below my capacity. I want to top out. I want to use every gift God's given me for the benefit of others. I don't want to do too little. I want to leverage every moment I can for the work He's designed me to do. I believe when I do that, He's glorified, and I find the freedom and contentment that comes from being who God designed me to be. And I want the same thing for you. So let me ask you, do you know how you are wired? Have you leveraged tools to help you discover your designed wiring? There are a number of tools that can help you. Personally, I've found value in the Myers-Briggs, the DISC, and various workplace and personality inventories. Today, I primarily use three tools with the leaders that I coach. The DISC, the Working Genius, and the Clifton Strengths Assessment. The Maxwell DISC Assessment is not a new profile, but it's one that I found helpful. DISC assessments are behavioral assessment tools based on the 1928 DISC Emotional and Behavioral Theory of psychologist William Moultrup Marston. There are many different assessments using this framework. I use the Maxwell DISC assessment with my coaching clients and with our team and new hires at Southview. I like how John Maxwell wrote about this. He said, the first person we must examine is ourselves. That's the mirror principle. If our self-perception is distorted, then our attempts to influence others will be misguided and even manipulative. The first person I must know is myself. This brings self-awareness. The first person I must get along with is myself. This leads to a healthy self-image. The first person to cause me problems is myself. Admitting truth yields self-honesty. And the first person I must change is myself. This empowering attitude paves the way to self-improvement. The primary styles in the DISC profile are D for dominant or driver. This is about 3% of the population. Margaret Thatcher and Martin Luther King Jr. would be examples of this style. General characteristics include being direct and decisive, a good problem solver, a risk taker, and a self-starter. The I is influencing or inspiring. This is about 11% of the population. Lucille Ball and Bono would be examples of this style. General characteristics there include being enthusiastic, trusting, optimistic, persuasive, emotional, and impulsive. The S is steady or stable. This is about 69% of the population. Nelson Mandela and Mother Teresa would be examples of this style. General characteristics here include being a good listener, possessive, a team player, understanding, and predictable. And the C stands for compliant or correct. And this is about 17% of the population. Albert Einstein and Mr. Spock would be examples of this style. General characteristics here include being analytical, accurate, conscientious, precise, and systematic. Your individual personality affects every aspect of your life. And that's why one of the best things you can do to grow yourself and those around you is to understand your personality 
and what naturally drives you. When you recognize your strengths and weaknesses, you're able to give your best as you work with people around you. And learning the personality styles of your team helps you to communicate with and lead them better. Most people are a mix of two or three of these. In other words, you could be a DC or a CS. I profile out as a solid C, which, like all the others, has some great strengths as well as some significant weaknesses that I have to be aware of as I lead. If you don't know your DISC profile, contact me and I can help you discover it and learn how to leverage your strengths to their max while being aware of your weaknesses as you lead. Another tool I use is the Working Genius Assessment. This is a newer assessment. Patrick Lencioni and the team at The Table Group have recently published this. I believe this could be one of the most useful and helpful products of this type that I have ever seen. I've encouraged several clients to take this assessment, and they then went on to use it with their entire teams. It's quite practical, and once the language is understood, it's easy to incorporate it into your workplace's everyday vocabulary. You can get more info on that at workinggenius.com. You can watch Patrick Lencioni talk about it in the video, and then you can take the assessment. I had our team at Southview take it, and we use it now as part of the hiring process in addition to the DISC. Third is the Clifton Strengths, used to be called the Strengths Finder Assessment. I first took this test in 2001, and then I took it again 10 years later in 2011. Most assessments like this will help you discover where you're strong and where you're weak. The Clifton Strengths focuses on your strengths, and the words they use are not typical. For instance, my number one strength both times I took the test was input. It's defined this way. People exceptionally talented in the input theme have a need to collect and to archive. They may accumulate information, ideas, artifacts, and even relationships. That description fits me to a T. I read voraciously, and I use Evernote to archive articles, quotes, and ideas that I accumulate. I've finally begun getting rid of more than a few books. My shelves just can't take anymore. It's an outgrowth of that input strength. And knowing that, I can leverage that strength in how I lead and how I write. My second strength was learner, defined this way. People talented in the learner theme have a great desire to learn and want to continuously improve. The process of learning, rather than the outcome, excites them. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes, learning is a passion of mine, and I pursue it frequently and vigorously. This is a worthwhile assessment as you seek to know yourself first and then those you lead. By leaning into your strength zone and the strength zones of your team members, you can maximize your efforts and you can make sure that everyone is contributing at their maximum capacity. Learning about how you are designed and wired is important, and the tools mentioned above will help you do that. But until you begin to apply what you've learned, it will just be information. I talk at Southview often about Bible bobbleheads. Their heads are full of knowledge, but their bodies never move. That is what you want to avoid. Think through these questions when you're discerning how to take your next step with this. What are the behavioral tendencies and limitations of my personality style? How does that affect my communication with other people? 
What pitfalls do I need to be aware of and avoid? Now, being aware of this information, what are my personal growth areas? This is a great opportunity to begin to capture your thoughts around this. Learning how you're wired is a big step toward becoming a catalytic leader, one who truly makes a difference. Spend some time writing, journaling around this, what you are learning, and as you process, what are the next steps you need to take to move toward being catalytic? Thanks for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I have a request for you. I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to find this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you'll go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you, and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20-plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can always stay connected with me on LinkedIn so you can keep up with what I'm learning and thinking about. And if you're ready to take a step with a coach to help you intentionally grow and thrive as a leader, I'd be honored to help you. Just go to catalyticleadership.net to book a call with me. Stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.